What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada's sports betting podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, it's the NHL's Eastern Conference Playoff Preview. Taking the handicapping tools we introduced in the Western Preview and applying them to a big underdog in the East. Why the Leafs have a familiar foe in Columbus, even if they don't know it. Coin flip or not a coin flip for a pair of series why the best team in the East isn't who to bet on for the one seed, Chris Abbott from Coolback, and much, much more. It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to the window. I'm your host, Matt Russell. Part two of the true Stanley Cup playoff betting preview. In part one, I broke down the Western Conference and introduced you to the important metrics in handicapping teams for predictive purposes. Check that episode out if you haven't already. For those living their own life and going out of order, we'll do a refresher here, but we'll do it using the framework and examples of the most interesting series in the entire league, in my opinion, for betting purposes. The two teams that provided the wildest results when running the numbers, Montreal and Pittsburgh. So let's refresh on, first of all, the importance that I put on 5-on-5 five five hockey and why it's more important than involving power play and power play goals and power, power play success. And obviously power play and 5-on-5 five five are the two ways that you score primarily. I understand shorthanded goals, empty net goals are things, but we can't be, uh, it's useless to sort of predict those. Uh, in terms of a team's success. Uh, now, remember, all things are relative to the price you can get it for, right? That's not just for sports betting. That's for everything in life. And for you personally, what do the numbers mean to you? Remember, the numbers exist, right? Math isn't a religion. This this isn't what, you know, what do you believe? These are the numbers as they exist. Now, what you believe about these numbers and about where we're getting the numbers and about how we're using the numbers and what these numbers say, that becomes a little bit more up to you. So now let's specifically look at this Montreal-Pittsburgh series. And specifically, let's start by sort of breaking down the myth of you know, power play percentage being important, okay? And so what we have here is a team in Montreal who has 17%, 17.74% on the power play this season against a Pittsburgh team that's 19.91. Now, right off the bat, that's probably not as much of a difference between the two than you would have thought of just from a narrative standpoint, right? You would have probably thought that Pittsburgh had a considerably better power play than Montreal. On the flip side, Montreal only kills penalties at a 78.67 rate, and Pittsburgh does a considerably better job at 82.11. So we have to talk about first sort of debunking the concept that the Pittsburgh power play is going to create that much of advantage over Montreal, preventing a team from converting. So wild result to start here. Again, Montreal plus 195 is the best number out there. Jump on that. 
anything again in anything any number at any site frankly that's out there because there isn't there isn't any site that has it low enough that you wouldn't take Montreal uh, of course we're also going to be on them game to game so factor that into the equation if you're sort of thinking to yourself well how much can I afford to lose relatively speaking right if you wanted to go two units on this I'm certainly not going to tell you you don't have a great edge because you do but if you don't want to have a two unit bet on Montreal because you're still afraid of Pittsburgh and because you're also going to have a unit on game one and you know so on down the line uh you know I can't tell you not to do that um but it's uh, it's Montreal it's certainly Montreal or nothing there's just absolutely nothing to say that a bet on Pittsburgh is the right thing to do Pittsburgh may very well win the series but at the number that you would have to pay the price that you'd have to pay Pittsburgh is literally the worst bet that you can possibly make in the entire playoffs so in general what I look at is an assumption of how many power plays each team will have over the course of a series And I'll average out to a six-game series in that most seven-game series on average are really only six-game series. Uh, In this case, obviously, it's just a five-game series. So, you know, there's a little bit more room for variance in that circumstance from a statistical standpoint. So if we figure that each team on average is going to get four power plays per game, which admittedly is a generous number because it's probably closer to three right it's probably closer to around three and a quarter uh three and a third but we're going to sort of super round up here to be safe and you know be conservative with regards to these numbers right we're going to err on the side of caution here and assume each team gets four power plays per game and if that's the case they get 24 power plays over the course of a six game length series so yes if pittsburgh is scoring at a 19.9 percent rate that means 4.7 goals for that entire series and if montreal is scoring at a 0.17 uh rate that's 4.2 goals and because their power play and penalty kills sort of all you know kind of match up with the regular numbers in that pittsburgh kills 82 percent and Montreal only scores on 18 percent which of course equals 100 and a very similar sort of number uh, on the flip side so because we're going to assume all of that and make those numbers as such you would think Pittsburgh gets a half goal per game as an advantage on the power play but that's still assuming that Pittsburgh gets the same amount of power plays as Montreal and what we'll sort of see in a minute here is why that might not be the case because as we go into sort of handicap mode with regards to this series we look at of course first the odds and the fact that Montreal is a considerable underdog biggest underdog on the board available at plus 195 at bet 365 and at lower numbers uh, throughout the other three sports book that that we discuss so Pittsburgh biggest favorite by far there's and there's a psychological element to that right no matter who the sort of biggest favorite and biggest underdog is on the board that's always going to draw your attention and sort of when you're looking to pick upsets and you're looking to find different values you're almost going to ignore that because it's you know it's the least likely to happen right and when we're talking about things that are least likely to happen especially in this weird sort of play-in round we're wiping out the 
four best teams, the alleged four best teams in each conference because they don't have to participate in this. So now we're looking at like what the ninth-ish best team in theory, according to the standings in Pittsburgh, and just sort of assuming because they're in this new cohort where they're the quote-unquote best team that they should be favored by this much right Montreal last into the party so to speak they don't deserve to be there and of course the Penguins the veteran playoff experience you know I don't have to go any further really than just the words Crosby and Ovechkin right so then we look at the actual numbers here and what we see here is really really stark so first of all Montreal incredibly narrowly edged Toronto for the second best expected goals for in the league. Now you'll remember expected goals for is the metric by which we sort of uh, analyze a team's ability to get good scoring chances and what we think they should have been doing offensively over the course of a you know extended period of time. Montreal so also right behind Vegas in sixth, for expected goals against. Now, three of the four that are above those two teams are all bad offensive teams in Minnesota, Boston, Philly. You know, we sort of talked about that in the Eastern Conference preview. But we're looking at Montreal here as second in goals, expected goals for and sixth in expected goals against. And what that ends up sort of manifesting itself in our second important metric high danger chances and they were at 56 percent of all high danger chances in their games and that's good for third in the league that's right behind tampa bay and vegas i shouldn't say necessarily right behind because tampa bay was at 60 percent and vegas was at 59 percent and montreal at 56 percent isn't necessarily right behind from that standpoint but in the standings of this uh of this statistic, we're looking at them at third best in the entire league, which means for, for every 10 shots uh, in high danger opportunities, Montreal was getting 5.6 of them and their opponent was getting 4.4. That's 1.2 better than their opponent. Now, Pittsburgh, not a slouch by any stretch of the imagination in high danger chances. They're above 50% as well. So it's not like we're looking at a team that Montreal's matching up with who is inverse in that they're only going to get 44 percent of the of the high danger chances that's certainly not the situation but of course when you're looking at all these metrics and it's just pumping montreal you go well why weren't they better in the standings like why were they the you know last team into this sort of weird dance that we're doing in the stanley cup playoffs and the answer could be found in a couple of different spots one undoubtedly the fact that they were 9.9% in high danger chances converted for their offense 9.9% is well below the league average of 13 I should say the median average of 13.5% so we have to ask ourselves well is it because Montreal was really unlucky over the course of a period of time or are their scorers just bad at converting and in a way that's sort of for you to decide and maybe you're landing on the side of well they're you know they were just really bad at converting the chances but they got the chances 
they got the chances in droves and they got the chances last year too which again you could make the case for yeah if they've got the chances last year in that they finished in the top three in expected goals for last year as well and didn't make the playoffs it could very well be that they just are not very good at converting those chances but their lackluster offense isn't because they aren't creating high danger chances they are creating high danger chances so any improvement towards the median of the league is going to increase their offense considerably right if they can somehow get from 9.9 percent even to like 11.9 percent which is still well below average and in the case of a you know three to five game series here it doesn't take much to increase that percentage quite a bit and we should mention pittsburgh at this point pittsburgh you would expect to create a lot of goals for and that is true their expected goals for is seventh in the league so not that far behind montreal but on the ex- like complete flip side of montreal they are at 19.4 percent in high danger chances converted which is a full 10 percent better than montreal now you might say yeah that makes total sense so why would we even consider montreal here when we see that pittsburgh is way better at converting these chances well again montreal gets more of the chances and in a small sample size here we do sort of expect a regression to the league average or the league median here right i would expect montreal to not be at 9.9 i expect them to like i said be closer to say 11.9 i would expect pittsburgh to not be at 19.4 i would expect them to be closer you know to 15 percent something along those lines so right there if you're assuming or at least you're handicapping handicapping the statistic in uh you know sort of regression to the median then you're already getting some value on montreal versus pittsburgh as a team now we flip over to pittsburgh's uh, defense right they're expected goals against and they're you know mediocre ish 11th uh in in this list but they've given up at a rate of 16 percent which right there if they're giving up at a 16 percent level and Montreal is only getting a 9.9% level, there should be sort of a regression to the mean there as well. Montreal gives up a 14.5% rate, which is, of course, a little bit below average in that the median is 14%. So, you know, will Pittsburgh convert at a 19% level? No, I think it would sort of average out somewhere between the 14 and the 19%. Again, somewhere along the lines of like a 17%. So if we're looking closer to Pittsburgh converting at a 17% level and Montreal converting somewhere closer to an 11, 12, even a 13% level because of how bad Pittsburgh is at keeping the puck out of the net in these high danger chances now again those percentage conversions can be looked strictly at the goaltending i shouldn't say strictly necessarily but in part the goaltending right if montreal is giving up 14.5 percent of their high danger scoring chances those are getting converted into goals it's because their goaltending isn't making a league median level of saves and at pittsburgh at 16 percent means that their goaltending isn't helping them out at all which of course if we 
translate that over to our goals saved above average. Remember, GSAA is our primary goaltending metric. We look at that and we go, oh, wow, Murray way down in the league. That bottom sort of five group of quote-unquote stars in the net we're looking at him being in that bottom group. Now it's starting to make sense that Pittsburgh has given up 16% of their high danger chances against, right? Teams are converting because their goaltending isn't very good. Montreal on the flip side, again, slightly below average from at 14.5%. Well, that extrapolates pretty accurately with their goaltending this season coming from Carey Price, who has been a little bit below average. I shouldn't even really say a little bit. He's been considerably below average, not necessarily to the level of Matt Murray. Uh, it should be mentioned that Tristan Jari is better than both of them and was actually in the top 15 in this metric. So if he were to get the start, which I don't necessarily believe will be the case, uh, if he's starting this series, then somehow Tristan Jari is actually the best goaltender based on this season's metrics. Now we get into sort of where the rubber meets the road here with regards to narrative versus statistics and what we can expect out of Carey Price, right? If it's Carey Price versus Matt Murray, he is still, even on a subpar season so far, the better goalie. And from a narrative standpoint, the people in the mainstream media will tell you, you know, you will always hear the, well, if this guy gets hot, right? And for some reason, we've sort of decided that there are certain goaltenders that are capable of getting hot and other goaltenders that aren't capable of getting hot. When in reality, if you're, a, if you're an NHL goaltender of any kind, you are capable of getting hot. Whether that's all that likely, you know, is sort of depending on one sort of career analysis. So, of course, we all think that Carey Price is, you know, could, quote unquote, stand on his head. He could get hot. If we think that's going to happen, or if we think we're going to get a slight improvement because it's Carey Price, if we're sort of adding the name brand narrative to Carey Price on top of you know the actual statistics, then we can hope for an improvement from their expected goals against. Add that to the expected improvement from their high danger chances for on offense, then we think Montreal is going to score more goals per game than they've sort of you know, obviously been doing up until this point, and they're going to keep more goals out than they've been doing up until this point, and that's going to automatically create value right there. Do we think Pittsburgh can be better in any of these categories? Well, at 19% already for chances, you know, high danger chances converted on offense, that's a really high bar to meet, right? We just talked about how it combine that with, you know, sort of a revolution of Carey Price here, we expect Pittsburgh to come down a little bit. Same thing on, you know, from a goaltending standpoint, you know, you could look at it like that their number has to come down at 16%, but that just depends on how much you believe in Pittsburgh's goaltending. If it doesn't, I think they're in really big trouble here. So you've got Carey Price, who was 30th ranked in goals saved above average, but still better than Murray. He's got sort of the name recognition narrative, but that doesn't become all that important relative to the odds because he's sort of out-recognized by the Crosby-Malkin, you know, in general Pittsburgh combination. And obviously Pittsburgh no slouch, as we talked about with regards to their numbers. 
So what makes this interesting, of course, is, as mentioned, the odds here. It ceases being who do you think wins, but what's the best way to make money on the event? Over the long term, this is a bet that has to be made at plus 195, even at plus 160. And to be honest with you, anything at plus like 125 or better is a bet that has to be made from an edge standpoint because this is a pretty big one right the the metrics say that montreal combined with their expected goals for and their expected goals against right their offense combined with their defense is statistically potentially the best team in the east now i don't necessarily believe that there's certainly enough you see from tampa bay in that their high danger chances you know, we'll, just, we'll talk about how they're number one in the league from that standpoint, and there's certainly no slouch being in the top 10 in both expected goals for and expected goals against. So I certainly wouldn't want to see Tampa Bay facing Montreal. But any other team, I'm less worried about Montreal. Now remember, we wanted to talk about the power plays involving this team, and we're going to do some power play math here. So the power play math looks like this. If we think that Montreal whose possession metrics, for those of you unfamiliar with possession metrics, Fenwick and Corsi are sort of the standard for possession metrics, and they create a metric where they, you know, where it analyzes what percentage of the time you sort of have the puck and in the offensive zone and, you know, getting scoring chances and all of that sort of thing, right? It's sort of a little broader than expected goals for and expected goals against and certainly much more broader than high danger chances right so if you figure out if you know if you figure that the team the two teams are going to be equal in how many power plays they get well you know that's fine but that's also a little false right we also kind of want to figure out how many power plays each team is going to get knowing that it's highly unlikely that they both get the same amount right and why would they get the same amount Right. Or moreover, why wouldn't they get the same amount? Now, you might say, well, again, from a narrative standpoint, you know, Crosby's, you know, going to, you know, rag that puck, you know, grinding uh, below the goal line. He, you know, he's going to, you know, cause all sorts of disturbance. Montreal's going to take, you know, penalties on him. Same thing with Malkin, et cetera, et cetera. But from a uh, possession metric standpoint, that's not really the case. Montreal actually has a considerably better possession metric uh you know sort of cumulatively than pittsburgh does so what i would expect in this series is montreal to have possession in a significant way at a 51.5 percent level which of course means 48 and a half percent for pittsburgh and that's how i would determine who is going to get more power plays in the course of this series not you know, I wouldn't look at, you know, the simple cumulative power plays for or power plays, you know, against from the regular season, because when you go down that rabbit hole, things get awfully, awfully sketchy. So power play, you know, just for a second here, let's look at the actual power play numbers for this season. Do you know who was third in creating power plays for the New Jersey Devils? Well, the New Jersey Devils, of course, are nowhere to be found here, right? Uh, another team high up there, Detroit at 215 power plays created. They were on the power play 215 times. There was a team that was on the power play for 211 times. 
It's the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Tampa Bay Lightning had four less power plays, four, than the Detroit Red Wings. On the flip side, the Vegas Golden Knights, with all of their really great metrics, were 26th in the league in being on the power play, right? Generating penalties, essentially, at 191. Teams that sort of bookended them, the Los Angeles Kings at 193, and the San Jose Sharks at 189. So we're looking at Vegas being in the Sharks and Kings category, and we're looking at Tampa Bay being in the Detroit category, and we're looking at New Jersey being atop the league, you know, in third in this category. So you can't go by that, especially when we start talking about the short-term variance of a short series. On the flip side, who are the teams that were taking a ton of penalties and allowing other teams to be on the power play? Well, the best teams at doing this i.e. having the lowest number, were Carolina, Washington, Tampa, New York. Makes a ton of sense. All teams that made the playoffs. Well, the next four on the list, five through eight, Ottawa, Detroit, San Jose, and New Jersey. Let's look at the bottom. L.A. had 190. Pittsburgh, same. Buffalo, sandwiched right between Florida and New York. Two teams that meet in the playoffs. So there's kind of no rhyme or reason and there's no sort of pre predictive way to figure out who draws a lot of penalties, who goes on the power play frequently. So the best that we can do is again, work with our five on five metrics and our possession metrics and our high danger chance metrics. And if we think that Montreal at a 51.5% to Pittsburgh's 48.5%, that's how likely they are to get power plays. So if we multiply 51.5% Montreal, you know, by 48, which is the total amount of power plays we expect to get in a six game series, right, an average playoff series, well, that ends up being 4.3 goals in a six game series. And if we do the same for Pittsburgh, that ends up being 4.6 goals. So instead of a half goal per game, it's really a quarter of a goal per game for Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh does have the advantage here at about a hat at, at about a quarter goal per game once we sort of do the math here. Well, let's look into what the advantage here is, and we've decided that there is an advantage five on five, surprisingly, for Montreal. And we look at high danger chances. Now you might be wondering how many high danger scoring chances are there per game? And the answer is about six point nine, right? So for money for you know, easy math sake, we'll just round that up to seven. But if you like, you can keep it at 6.9. Well, if you're going to, if there's a total of 6.9 high danger scoring chances uh, in an entire game, five on five, remember. But we think that Montreal, because of, you know, where we have them in the metrics of, you know, like what percentage, right? We think that they're going to get. 5% more high danger chances than Pittsburgh does because of, again, the five-on-five five, uh, statistics that they've built up throughout the course of the season. Well, I've got Montreal scoring 3.83 goals for every 6.9 high danger chances. And I have Pittsburgh at 3.45 for every high danger uh, per game for high danger scoring chances. So we're looking at 0.38 goals per game 
five on five better that Montreal is than Pittsburgh is. So Pitt, Montreal has a 0.38 advantage five on five. Pittsburgh has a 0.25 advantage. Obviously, Montreal has a slight advantage when you factor in high danger scoring chances and power play opportunities. And those are, of course, all, you know, no, I shouldn't say all, but the vast majority of goals happen either on the power play or in high danger scoring chances. Now, obviously, if someone scores shorthanded, that's an entire goal, that game, that you wouldn't have expected otherwise, right? Because, you know, you're not getting that many uh, shorthanded goals over the course of a season, right? There's literally roughly like a, you know, less than 10% chance of scoring a shorthanded goal. And of course, once that's the case, then either team is sort of just as likely to score a you know, shorthanded goal. So it will often essentially be negligible from that standpoint. So again, Pittsburgh's the biggest favorite, but we have to look at Montreal because everything sort of spells out that kind of worst case scenario for Montreal. This is a kind of a coin flip series. And it's not like Pittsburgh has been lights out necessarily in every playoff series they've ever had. Obviously, they just lost last year in a similar role where they were favored against the Islanders. So we're looking hard at both the series price plus 195. To me, it's uh, it's the biggest bet I will have in the Eastern Conference. It's not quite the level of the bet that I had in the Calgary and Winnipeg series because, of course, we don't have to invest as much to get as much back, right? At plus 195, we're very near the level of getting two to one for our money. So, you know, obviously only a one unit bet would get us two units back, right? For the Calgary and Winnipeg series to get two units back, we have to wager over two units uh, to do so. So that's the big play. That's sort of the big surprise result of breaking down these odds, right? I didn't expect to like Montreal coming into the playoffs i was shocked to see you know where they were in in the standings now was this season necessarily an outlier like i said maybe but maybe not because they were really good in the high danger chance metric last season again just not able to convert are they any better at converting this season not really so again the only thing that would tell us that they can convert in these high danger chances is because of how bad Pittsburgh was at moving it along. Now we'll talk about the Leafs and the Jackets. Now, if you've seen the cover of this podcast, you know that this is a Toronto recorded podcast, but it's certainly not a Toronto centric podcast from a fan perspective, right? This podcast is based on trying to make money betting on sports and following anyone's heart is never the right move. And I talked about in the Western preview how I am a born and bred Canucks fan. So I don't really have any allegiance to Toronto one way or the other. I'm not going to make any fans here with what I'm about to say with regards to the Leafs and the Blue Jackets. And on top of the fact that I just touted Montreal beating Pittsburgh, uh, I probably should just quarantine myself for the entire playoffs so as not to have tomatoes thrown at me on the street. So let's look at the odds here. Of course, Toronto, the favorite, uh, 
not quite the, you know, I wouldn't say a heavy favorite necessarily as Columbus is a plus 140, plus 150 underdog, you know, depending on where you can sort of find the best of the number. Uh, plus 150 did sort of pop up over the weekend. I was able to grab that. Spoiler alert, that's the bet. Uh, Narrative-wise, it's hard to say, right? Uh, Toronto fans being what they are, you know, there's a there could be a this-is-the-year element, or they could still be in the they'll find a way to bleep it up element, right? I've lived here for through 15 plus years and I'm still waiting for Toronto to win a playoff series, right? So there's certainly an element of how could you possibly believe that this is the year after so many years where it certainly wasn't. That being said, an incredibly positive thinking uh, person might say that it is, might say that Columbus it, you know, isn't a very flashy team. The high-scoring Leafs finally get a team that they're better than in the playoffs. Problem is, for the Blue Jackets, you know, there's obviously some experience there, having beat Tampa Bay last year. The reality is, the Blue Jackets get a ton of guys healthy for the playoffs, so that's going to affect their metrics. The fact that they didn't have... You know, a lot of their guys, you know, they they were essentially the worst team in the league with regards to man games lost, right? And some of them significant guys like a Seth Jones and a fleet of their forwards. So when you're missing guys constantly throughout the season, that's going to sort of depress your numbers a little bit. So when we look at Columbus's numbers, they're not all that exciting. Certain on the offensive side, they're not very exciting. We talked about how Toronto was just under Montreal for expected goals for literally one goal less, but they were exactly at the median of the league at a 13.4% high danger chance conversion level, right? So you might think with Austin Matthews, Marner, Tavares, etc., that they would have sort of a better than average conversion rate, but the, that wasn't the case, right, at the league median. As for, you know, sort of combining the numbers and the narrative, don't stop me if you've heard this one. The Leafs play a top four defensive team that's mediocre on offense, and they go down. Well, that happened last year when they faced Boston. Columbus is essentially, rightly or wrongly, I would say probably rightly, given both personnel and the success of the Bruins, has mirrored their strategy, essentially, in building their team to that of the Boston Bruins. So because the Leafs think they've gotten rid of Boston or not having to face Boston in the quote-unquote first round, it's certainly possible that they face them in the next round, there might be a sigh of relief there. Well, bad news is Columbus is right behind Boston in expected goals against. Tied for third with Philadelphia. Boston second in the league uh, in the expected goals against category. Uh, their goaltender, Elvis, he's in the top 10. Frederick Anderson is not. He's much closer to league average. Not below league average by any means, but around league average. In again, goals saved above average, right? Which again is different, of course, than goals against average and whatnot, because we're talking about, you know, sort of relative to the rest of the league. So Elvis, better on average, than most of the league. Anderson, about average compared to the rest of the league. So fundamentally, 
you know, sort of eye test wise, you look at this and it's just a bad matchup for a Toronto team that wants to play high scoring run and gun six, five games, right? I think any Leafs fan will tell you that, that obviously the offense is the strength and the defense is a concern, right? And sort of their best case scenario is if Frederick, Frederick Anderson keeps a couple more pucks out. It's like the old Grant Fear story from the 80s, you know, for, for all those old school hockey fans out there. They were fine with him giving up five goals because they knew they'd get six. John Tortorella is a better coach than he gets credit for. He'll have a young team ready to go. That's a little bit narrative, of course. But the narrative, of course, sometimes can be involved, right? Like it's sprinkling some narrative stuff with the statistics, right? If it was a if their coach was a complete buffoon and didn't know what he was doing, well, that we'd have a considerable different sort of attitude towards this team. But it's a team that believes they can do it because they've done it before. So at plus 140 or better, that suggests a 41.7% chance of success relative to the break-even rate, right? Like they, the Blue Jackets would have to win this series 42% of the time to make this a valuable bet. To me, this looks much more like a 50-50 matchup. It isn't as sort of crazy as Montreal, where the metrics, you know, deem them the favorite over Pittsburgh, and we're getting like a way bigger underdog price. This one is closer to 50-50. It's the classic really good defensive team against the really good offensive team. And you can do the defense wins championships and you'd rather be on the side of the defense, et cetera, et cetera. When you factor in sort of my general theory that goals could be at a premium early on in this postseason because of the layoff and the effort that it takes to score goals, then sure, that's certainly a possibility too. What Toronto sort of is missing with regards to, you know, obviously defense and keeping the puck out of the net, they're going to make up for an offense, particularly on the power play. And this is maybe the one series where their power play might be able to carry the day, which is why I think this is closer to sort of 51% for Toronto and 49% for the Blue Jackets. But that's certainly not enough to keep me off of the Blue Jackets at a considerable plus money price. Not necessarily a huge bet. I think an average one unit bet on the Blue Jackets is the right play here just from a statistical standpoint. So now that we're done making friends in Toronto, let's look at sort of the most neutral series we could possibly find. And that's indicated in the odds Dead even, the Islanders and the Panthers, essentially minus 110 on either side, which of course is fun because we actually have to make a pick straight up. And what I mean by that is, you know, there's obviously sometimes a tendency to hide behind the odds, right? If I was just go on television and you ask me, who do I think is going to win the series between Toronto and Columbus? I'd say Toronto because my numbers have it at 51, 52% of the time, right? But if I'm actually making a bet, and you're asking me to put up, you know, minus 150 on a team that I think is only going to win 52% of the time, that doesn't make a ton of sense, right? 
So at least in this case with the Islanders and the Panthers, it's sort of a 50-50 deal here from an odd standpoint. I don't get to say, well, Columbus is getting, you know, plus 140, plus 150. You know, Montreal is getting plus 190, 195. You know, in this case, there's no sort of hiding behind that. So, and there's not much of a narrative, by the way. So you got Florida, you know, sort of on the come up, I suppose. Um, Sergei Bobrovsky gets the big deal. You know, on the Islanders' side, you know, Barry Trotz, of course, is, you know, getting closer and closer to legendary status as he did so much with the Predators team back in the day and obviously winning a Stanley Cup with the Capitals and, you know, getting into the second round last year with the Islanders. So, you know, what the Islanders are doing there is sort of a little more advanced than Florida. So from a narrative standpoint... You know, it's not going to affect the odds necessarily, but from like an eye test history standpoint, I think the Islanders are a little further on up on the curve. Now, when we look at the specific numbers, you know, we've talked about the top four expected goals for team, right? And we talked, you know, Calgary, Pittsburgh, Tampa, Colorado, all those teams that are just outside of the top five. Well, who's fifth? Right, we we still haven't talked about a team that is that is fifth, and that's the New York Islanders. So again, you think of Barry Trotz, you don't necessarily think of super offensive teams, but they were actually fifth in the leading expected goals for. The Florida offense, on the flip side, is in the bottom five in expected goals for. Right, so obviously right there, that's a pretty big red flag when we're trying to you know find an edge one way or another here, right? And at forty two percent of their high danger chances in their games, Florida is, you know, not quite Winnipeg level, but next to last of playoff teams here next to Winnipeg. So you've got a team with a high expected goals for, we have a team with a very low expected goals for who aren't getting high danger scoring chances at nearly the rate of a playoff team frankly. Now a lot of people will sort of say mainstream media, Sergei Bobrovsky could stand on his head, right? Some, you know, somewhere along the line, I guess it was the Vesna trophy probably, where he got credit for being a high probably probability stand on his head guy. Now, I don't necessarily buy that because I think just about everybody has sort of an equal opportunity to be a stand on your head guy. And when you have to stand on your head, so to speak, to give your your team a chance to win, that's a bad, bad scene when it comes to the playoffs or any sort of, you know, short or long-term scenario. But definitely, you know, if he needs to bring it right off the bat, that seems highly unlikely for me. So for me, there's a ton of value on New York, a full play on them. To me, I have them anywhere up to minus 135 as a worthwhile bet. You can get them at minus 110 and sort of more commonly now, minus 115. As for the remaining series in the East, Carolina and the New York Rangers. Now, the New York Rangers are getting some attention in the narrative. They did go 4-0 this season against Carolina. Do I put a ton of faith in that? You're not going to be surprised by this. I don't. All right. History is littered with teams that lost the series season series and time in times even got swept in the season series and then went on to win the series in the playoffs. 
New York getting some attention as sort of a flashy underdog. Obviously, Artemi Panarin with a good playoff last season, um, sort of you know MVP type candidate this year. Uh, switching to the Rangers, Mika Sabinajad also with a really big season for him. So people are talking themselves into the Rangers here. Plus one twenty, plus one thirty, certainly a possibility. Now. We've talked about teams in that range that provided value because we thought the series was roughly a coin flip. And when you have a coin flip type series and you can get anything sort of better than 125, you will want to grab that. I don't think this is necessarily a coin flip series. Now, of course, Carolina potentially with some injury issues, guys not quite ready to go on defense with regards to Pesci and Hamilton. Hamilton is the key guy here. So if you look at the numbers, both teams pretty equal offensively, both just sort of outside the top 10 in their expected goals for five on five. Carolina is eighth, however, in expected goals against, while New York is actually kind of towards, really is actually at the bottom of the league, right? Sort of fifth worst in the league in expected goals against so of course what that means we look at the gsaa right the goaltending stats uh carolina getting very mediocre goaltending and that makes sense because their high danger chances that they uh, allow the other team to convert is literally the league median so completely average goaltending from carolina the interesting thing for new york is you've got lundquist who's quite significantly down and which you'd expect from a guy who is you know pushing 40 in the league here and two other guys who could very well start and would actually be uh better statistically than Lundqvist and so we're going to have to keep an eye on that from you know the Rangers standpoint whether they're going to stick with a guy who has played for them for what 15 years and you know, or whether they decide to go with somebody else, right? And so uh, Igor, 15th in the league here, only played 12 games. Georgiev, right in sort of the Frederick Anderson mediocre zone. And Lundqvist at minus four relative to the rest of the league. So, you know, certainly a very interesting decision for the Rangers there. The Rangers only had 10% of high danger chances against. So essentially... I should say converted, uh, essentially they're playing the Habs every game in that they only were giving up 10% of those high danger chances. And the interesting thing here, of course, is that because their goaltending was, you know, mediocre-ish, that's kind of a surprising number, right? Like you'd think it'd be a little bit higher if you're stopping high danger chances at a really high rate then you would think that your goaltending metric would be a little bit higher as well, right? So to me, this means that that 10% is a number that's a little bit fraudulent and that that's going to have to increase. As for Carolina, their numbers, while sort of not mediocre because they're in the top 10 in both categories for expected goals, their numbers are also deflated in a way because of Dougie Hamilton being out. This is a team that is considerably different when Dougie Hamilton is in the lineup. And so 
you know, are they able to get him sort of midway through the series? Does he somehow make a miraculous recovery and he's there to start the series? Do they miss him entirely, uh, you know, without, you know, throughout the entire series? So I can't necessarily recommend Carolina here because of that. But to me, there's not enough of a price to take the Rangers. I, I could... If you gave me Carolina like minus 120, like something the same as like a Calgary or uh, actually there really isn't a comparable series beyond that. But again, I would take sort of a minus 120, minus 125. Currently, I'm seeing the lowest at minus 133 right now. So again, that's not we're not getting the edge we're looking for for a really, really good Carolina team that you know, isn't getting the credit that they deserve. If you go to sort of a game-by-game standpoint, now we're talking, you know, a minus 120 type of a thing here where I think from a game-to-game standpoint, that's a better play relative to sort of the probabilities that we're looking for here, right? So even with Dougie Hamilton being out, you know, Carolina was able to amass a season-long metric level here that is considerably better than the Rangers. It's certainly not a 50-50 series, in my opinion. So Carolina, if you can get a really good number, but game to game is where we'll sort of look at that, especially when it comes to who the Rangers are starting game to game. Uh, The numbers fluctuate a little bit should Lundqvist, for instance, start game one. That's definitely a bet that needs to be made. Um, Anybody else, it sort of becomes a little bit more murky. Okay, quick shout out to my guy Neil over at Hundo P Productions. If you're on Twitter, Facebook, I think it was even on LinkedIn, you probably saw the sweet tease videos that he created for my interview with Chad Millman. Great job by him over at Hundo P Productions. He can help grow your brand with cool videos like that that help promote your product or your service, uh, contact him over at Hundo P Productions to help boost your brand and get the next level of video marketing. www.hundopproductions.com or at Hundo P Prod on Instagram. Don't just post, inspire. All right, and Chris Abbott is back again. This time we're talking about the Eastern Conference, and I just broke down all of the wildness that <laughs> has, uh, has, has my numbers created in my life. Um, we'll see what the betting public has to say about the Eastern Conference in the Stanley Cup playoffs here with Chris. Chris, welcome back. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. I, the Eastern Conference. Now we get to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I'll, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait. No, no, let's let's just start right there, right? Because that's what people want to hear. They want to hear better news than what I had to give them in the previous segment. What's the word in uh, in the sports book land? Well, do you want to hear maybe the most cruel uh, reality I've ever seen? And this just happened when I wanted to check the series price. But the Leafs are a minus 167 favorite. <laughs> yeah. And that number uh, haunts that franchise. Plus 144, Columbus. Um, Are you guys doing that on purpose? Somebody had to. You could you could have made that 168. 
Thank you, you could have made it 166. <laughs> like it's just it should be like in uh like a glowing red number. Uh it's yeah, it's terrible. But uh no surprise, we're seeing most of the action on this series come on the Leafs, but um mostly small bets. Um yeah, it's there's not a lot of faith there that okay. Toronto's gonna win. Um I'm just no surprise that they're they're getting more uh, bets uh, number-wise, but not a whole lot of money going down on them uh, when you compare it to we talked about uh, the other day with Winnipeg and Vancouver. Um, so, yeah, not a lot of risk for us, even if the Leafs do win. Um, and, of course, uh, I- I'd be okay with us losing a little bit of money just for the hype uh, of the Leafs progressing. Well, but, sure. You know and I mean? at that point, they win this series. And then now the bandwagon is just filled to the brim and you get everyone's money in round two. And that's where it all falls apart. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah, I exactly. hate to put it in those terms. Right. But like you're, you know, you're the slot machine that's paying out, knowing full well that this the coins are going right back into the machine. We've seen this movie before, and listen, hey, don't sleep on this Columbus Blue Jackets team either, because John Tortorella has done this before. Um, You know, they've got nothing to lose. It's us against the world. Uh, I heard it put a good way on uh, Hockey Central earlier this week, is that the the guys on the Blue Jackets don't know any better. That, you know, they're young, they can just go out, um, give what they got, and there's no pressure on them. Well, and I talked talked about earlier, it's like not only do they not sort of know any better, but they also know that it's possible, right, Right. from last season. And, yeah, there might be a couple of parts missing, but the guys who are on that bench still feel like they were involved in beating the Lightning last year. That's right. And beating the Lightning last year is uh, a hell of a bigger mountain than beating this Toronto Maple Leafs team that relies so much on Freddie Anderson. They have an underachieving decor uh, as much as everyone likes to talk about Morgan Riley, uh, he's, I think he's overrated in the Toronto market. I think he's a good defenseman, but, you know, you hear him in this Norris Trophy talk. I don't think he's anywhere near those guys. Mm. Um, and, of course, Jake Muzzin. But uh, other than that, it's a whole lot of inexperience. So, um, you know, we've got, uh, we've got a significant risk on the Leafs to win the Stanley Cup, which is, you know, par for the course. When you're yeah, it comes with the territory. But uh, I don't think anyone should count out this Columbus Blue Jackets side at all. No, and that sort of echoes, um, to the very least, that echoes uh, our, my previous segment about talking about that series. So, uh, you know, maybe not as much exposure exposure as you would have maybe thought with the Leafs. Um, let's go to the other Canadian team in the mix here. Uh <laughs> My favorite, the Montreal Canadiens. I don't know how I got to this point, but... um, (laughs) Probably because the price is so good. Is that why they're your favorite? Well, yeah. Again, I I went ham on the previous segment. Uh, Unfortunately, I didn't... Again, this is a total how-did-we-get here situation where I woke up in the desert or something. Um, But yeah, my, my numbers have Montreal as the better team than Pittsburgh. And well, I, I can't wait to go back and listen to that. <laughs> I again, I don't know how we got here, but yeah, it, 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 it is the case. And so I wonder if I'm the guy out on the literal ledge on the literal limb and, you know, on my own on this, or are there people who are betting Montreal? Um, 
maybe because of just the price, right? Like I, I, I certainly can't even imagine anybody betting Pittsburgh at the price that it's at right now. Well, yeah, we've got the Penguins minus 200 right now and uh, the Canadians plus 165. So, right, there's two prices in effect why you'd want to bet on Montreal. The plus 165 and then Carey Price, who in, okay. a best, in a best of five series, he, he would be the goaltender I want. You always hear, you know, you need to win one game. Who do you want? I still want Carey Price. I know he's not a Stanley Cup winner, but he's an Olympic gold medalist. And in, in a single game, to me, there's still nobody better. Um, three out of five series. Yeah. Well, let me answer your question for you first. Nobody's betting Montreal at our book. Okay. Nobody at all. all well, if you guys want to bump the odds up, feel free. Uh, and it may happen because yeah. money continues to come in on Pittsburgh. Uh, Montreal is the only Canadian team that hasn't felt the love and it's not even feeling it from people in Quebec on our site, which there's a lot of people from the Montreal area that play on our site and uh, they have not gotten behind the Habs <laughs> here at all. Well, um, and we talked yeah, about this more in, in the Western preview um, with you about sort of being the arm in the synthetical hold. And you guys are the lowest on Montreal at plus 165. There's 175s, 185s, 195s, 195s out there. So you're certainly not asking for Montreal money just yet, which is exactly how I would book it Right, I would I would have the same price up that you guys had. I would be low um, on Montreal because I wouldn't want to be giving out plus one seventy five, one eighty five, one ninety five, two hundred, whatever. Right, I would be sitting there happy with being the lowest on Pittsburgh. And if people want to lay the two dollars, you know, to bet Pittsburgh, I would be fine with them doing that if I was you. Yeah, and uh, like we're getting on this series, I think the best margin we have of any of the any of the series. So um, that's everything is shaping up okay for us. Uh, and I wouldn't be shocked if if Montreal were to pull it off. It would be our most profitable series by a landslide if Montreal was able to win, uh, even at um, you know we've got them at a lower price there. But um, you may see it move. You may see it move to entice some Montreal money. Sure. Um, There's but, wiggle room, right? Know, yeah, I mean, it, it may happen. I think, uh, to be honest, I'd have to double-check where it opened, but I think the Penguins were maybe a bigger favorite on our site than minus 200. So I think it might have come back the other way for some reason. Yeah, no, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised by that because, again, they're a bigger favorite um, on every other site. Right. Yeah. Like you, you guys are right now inviting Penguins money. And I think that's the right move for you guys. Um, and again, it's, you know, I didn't think I would be here three weeks ago or when I started r sort of running the numbers. But here I am. So, you know, what could possibly go wrong? Right. <laughs> well, listen, I again, we've talked about it before, but I think goaltending is going to be so key. If Shea Weber is available to Montreal, um, if Max Domi can become a superstar that we think he's going to be. Um, I just really think the the one thing going against Montreal here, well, there's a number of things going against them, but not being able to play at home. I mean, there's there's very yeah. few ranks in the league that the home team uh, gains as much steam from, and I think Montreal playing their home games in an empty building in downtown Toronto, it's, uh, it's kind of sad, actually. But, yeah. uh, 
maybe maybe it works for them. I don't know. Yeah, fair point. I mean, at the same time, like Pittsburgh, you know, that place can get pretty lit. Uh, you know, if they get going too. So uh, maybe it ends up being sort of an even sort of Steven type of thing. Um, so let's get into which next series. You know what? Let's go with if Nashville and Arizona took off their uniforms and put on Islanders and Panthers uniforms, would anybody notice? <laughs> you know what? There's some pretty good players on both of those teams. Sure. Uh, I think I'm more interested in the Islanders Florida series than I am the Nashville Arizona series. Okay. We've we've got it as a pick 'em right now, minus one oh nine on both sides. And in terms of action, uh we are getting a little bit more on the Islanders, but no significant risk on either side. Uh much like the Nashville Arizona series, this isn't a series that people who come to our site have really uh put their money on. But if it was my money, and it is going to be my money, I'm actually going to bet on the Islanders in this series. Okay. And uh, let me tell you why. You might have touched on it before. But yeah, we we are aligned. So Barry Trotz always has his team. Barry Trotz always has his team ready to go. I don't think it matters who's in goal for them. I, I, the way they play the game, they just kind of got to get the first save, and and everyone else is back to help out. Uh, they have an underrated defense core, and they've got some superstars up front who can put the puck in the net. Um, on the other side of things, Florida chronically underachieving. But the one thing that stands out for me is Sergei Bobrovsky and the way that he starts seasons. If you go back and look at the last few seasons uh, when he was in Columbus and even this year in Florida, Bobrovsky stunk out of the gate. And if he's not at the top of his game, the Islanders are going to grind out a couple of early wins and take this series. Very interesting point about that. And I think I was, I'm right there with you on sort of a fading of Bobrovsky in general, right? Like I think he was propped up by a system in Columbus. And I think that's mm-hmm. sort of borne out by how well the goalies are doing in Columbus. So I definitely fade Bobrovsky from that standpoint, um, giving him, like you said, the summer off and you know how locked in is he going to be for a restart i think you're bang on there uh and yeah we are in, we are in lockstep with uh with the islanders and it's just a matter of sort of getting the, <clears throat> the getting the best price possible there one of one of the interesting things to note is um outside of the montreal canadians who by the way uh our biggest stanley cup risk in the eastern conference but that's because we have them at 99 to 1 and a couple of people with more money than brains came in and bet big amounts on them. So <laughs> we have a, a big risk on Montreal, but I don't even count that. Sure. Um, we do have a decent risk on the New York Islanders at 29 to 1 and Stanley Cup odds. So, okay. Uh, we're not the only ones who believe in uh, in Barry Trotz's system. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. No, that that uh, that makes a ton of sense. So let's finish it up here in the East with uh, a series that I actually think is pretty interesting um you know sort of for my purposes uh carolina and new york and the rangers um some real discrepancies across the market with this one um you guys are the arm for the rangers last i looked at plus 130 is that still the case plus 135 135 okay so you guys are are begging for uh for ranger money and i think I think you might get it because, of course, you know, people get fired up about these sort of head-to-head records over the course of a, of a season, right? And the Rangers went 4-0 against Carolina. And so people look at that and go, I can get plus money on this team. You know, why wouldn't I do that? 
Um, for me, Carolina is a tale of two teams, right? It's with or without Dougie Hamilton. Yep. And so I think that there's value on the uh, Hurricanes. And, you know, but I think I'm also sort of on the sort of, you know, uh, minority for, for that. Is that the case? Like, where's the money coming in? Uh, we've taken more bets on Carolina than on the Rangers. Oh, okay. Uh, probably about twice as many, to be honest. Okay. But um, it's not not significant amounts. I, I, I again with uh, back to what I was saying about Barry Trotz. I mean, Rob Brindamore has his team playing a playoff style, eighty-two games a year, right? Uh, and we saw that how well that translated for them last season. I do wonder if Peter Morazic can stay where he was last year for them and uh you know the backup now is is James Reimer so I'm not sold on that at all especially when you've got like what looks to be three legit number one goaltenders for the New York Rangers um I like this Rangers team I don't mind them as an underdog here at all but uh you know I might sprinkle a little there I think it'll be a good series that's for sure so where so you said you, they have three legit number ones. You still believe in Henrik Lundqvist then at this point? Uh yeah, I do. I, I do. I think he's um, he's still a gamer. I, I it's a tough situation there, right? Because ideally, like if you were playing a video game, you would have traded Henrik Lundqvist this year. But with all he's met, meant to that Rangers organization, I think he gets to call his own shots. I don't know if he's the starting goalie. Like, I think that puts them in a tough situation because Shesterkin and Georgiev are both phenomenal for, for my money. So, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. And at the point, you know, where we tape this, that decision has yet to be made, right? So, uh, to me, the amount or sort of not necessarily who I'm going to bet on necessarily, but the amount I'm going to have confidence in in a bet, so to speak, um, will be on whether they decide to go with Lundqvist or not, right? To me, there is a pretty large gap. At least that's what, again, my the numbers that I trust, that I rely on, say, right? Mm -hmm. So, which is bizarre because, of course, we've just lived through an era of 10 plus, you know, 15 years or whatever of Lundqvist, Lundqvist, Lundqvist being amazing, stealing them series from time to time, you know, taking them to a cup final. Is there a possibility in your mind, and again, maybe this de decision has been made by the time this airs, but is it possible that they don't go with Lundqvist? Oh, I think it's very possible. In fact, I don't think they do. I think, you know, Shesterkin, before he was injured, uh, he was in a car accident, right? Before the season, uh, before the season kind of paused there. So I'm not even sure what his status is going to be. I think he would be the number one option. I think Lundqvist would be two, Georgiev three. Um, but I think that's just also out of loyalty to Henrik Lundqvist. But I think, uh, you know, his game when he still has it, but it's not as consistent, right? Like sure. he still has his best game if he needs it, but he, he won't have it maybe every night. But I also think it's important to talk about the fact that this Carolina team, as much as they like thrive under Rob Brindamore style, they really feed off their fans. And one thing's for sure. If you just have 
a bunch of guys who are hardworking dogs and they don't have that consistent energy coming behind them, that can be hard to sustain as well. So I think that helps the Rangers here uh, who might be a little more skilled. True. That's, that's, that's a fair point. I mean, Carolina did get a, a you know, a game seven win, uh, against Washington last year, right? So, like, in Washington. So, it's just such a, like, I mean, that's the deal, right? Like, this whole crapshoot going in, like, how do these teams play when there isn't that buzz, right? And I talk about, you know, playoff experience, right? We always talk about playoff experience. This team has playoff experience. This team doesn't. These aren't, you don't need playoff experience this year. No, this is not the this NHL isn't playoffs as we know it. No. Right? This isn't, isn't that. So, I... You know, I gave you my sort of under theory in uh, in the previous episode. Uh, speaking to that experience, like, are you looking at younger teams in general to be more successful? So we'll talk about the, you know, the, this race for the Eastern number one seed, right? And Boston is obviously right in the mix for that. And they're sort of the oldest team, you know, with regards to their best players. And getting it fired up for them in August, you know, seems like a thing that would be a real detriment to them, right? And I sort of think, and it's, you know, again, all of this stuff in a lot of ways is anecdotal. The stuff that isn't purely statistical is anecdotal. But, like, you think of the World Cup and remember, like, how good that young, you know, gun North America team was from the last World Cup. And yeah, they had McDavid and Matthews. So like, they're pretty talented too, but they were going up against a lot of sort of veteran-laden teams that, you know, were still kind of in summer mode in a little bit of a way. Yep, I think there's definitely something to be said for that. And I, uh, I was listening, I can't remember where I heard it uh, last week, but it was a great point. It was like, have you ever gone out and skated with these uh, – I mean, most people have at some point in their hometown, like the, the NHL player comes back and skates with your kind of rec skate in the summer. And For those sure. guys are absolutely flying in the summer. And that's the truth. The old guys are kind of, you know, kind of just managing their uh, managing their game, making sure they get out and keep the joints moving. But the young guys are chomping at the bit. And uh, yeah, I, I do think there will be something to that this year. I do think, you know, the the old guard who can, you know, find the energy after 82 games plus the grind of the playoffs. And, you know, they know when to turn it up. And, uh, yeah, all that goes out the window. So it, it might just be, yeah, the, the dog with the most uh, energy in his legs gets the job done here. Yeah, and that was sort of one of the elements with my – beyond the sort of metric a- analysis – of why Montreal has a chance with Pittsburgh, but I think it's also going to be an issue, like I said, for Boston and maybe Washington as well. So what are your numbers right now in that Eastern number one seed, you know, quasi preseason type, you know, (laughs) tournament? Yeah. So we've got uh, Tampa and Boston neck and neck at plus 175, the Capitals plus 450, the Flyers, he's talking about at plus 550 and the Flyers are actually the only team that have garnered much in the way of action in this market which is kind of well you can't see me right now you can't see me right now but I'm holding my hand up in the air oh you're a winner right now Uh, no I'm one of the people who who (laughs) who, who's in on the Flyers uh I believe it was 650 Oh, it could have been. Uh, I think you guys point. had it at 650, and I was like tripping over myself. 
to get down on that 650. Like, I, listen, I don't know what's going to happen here, but I know that, you know, no offense to Tampa Bay. I certainly have a decent opinion of Tampa Bay um, and Boston, but 650 in a three game round robin tournament where you certainly are the most hungry of those four teams is crazy and, and it's and it's evident by the fact that you guys moved it to 550 and have gotten money on that yes it was at 650 you're absolutely right i was just checking some uh some previous tickets that came in on it yeah and i mean uh i love the philadelphia flyers as a team anyway and carter hart is one of the best goalies in the league now there's uh a lot of good goalies in that four team uh four team bubble there uh holpy hart rask and vasilevsky like wow but uh, you know, I, I, you're right. The value is just too good not to not to take a swing at it, right? Yeah, and I would still take it. Like if you're just listening to this and it's still 550, I would still take a swing at 550, right? Like I would I would get that all the way down to. I'd probably stop once it got into the fours, but uh, yeah, 550 still worth a bet from that standpoint. Um, do you have? I mean, you know, you like Philadelphia. Have you have you made that bet? Is are you going to make that bet? When can when can we see that come across the Twitter feed? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have not made much yet in the way of bets, to be honest with you, for the NHL. Um, I probably got to get on that. And it's literally just that I've been really busy with everything that's happening. Sure. So I haven't uh, I haven't laid the money down yet. I probably should get on that. Well, we did an hour and a half about baseball last week, so <laughs> you haven't had nearly enough time. Well, yeah, that and, and now, like, I'm on I, – I used to be just an analyst where I could solely – um do these kind of things but now i'm i've got a bigger role and i've got to like uh approve marketing materials and stuff it really gets in the way of my gambling it's uh <laughs> sure it's something it's something else but uh yeah so you know we'll see um i i i do like the flyers team though especially that they're healthy i'm a huge claude Giroux fan i'm a huge jake Voracek fan um kevin hayes i think will help them in the playoffs here so um yeah it's, it's really interesting i might uh piggyback on that bet with you just uh just so we've got something to cheer for yeah come on in the water's warm uh <laughs> so does cool bet have any significant liability eastern conference wise as far as either the eastern conference or the stanley cup you know in general like what what are we looking at here yeah so like i was telling you earlier uh some people came in and threw down uh ridiculous amounts on the uh canadians they were we had them at plus 5900 to win the conference uh plus 99 to win the stanley cup so we've got risk there but that's not necessarily risk that uh we're too worried about god i might be joining that team though i might be joining that group (laughs) well i mean it's if somebody gives you 101 odds you got to take it right Um, we've got some risk on the Maple Leafs and, uh, that's about it. I said, I mentioned the Islanders earlier, right. but it's it spread out pretty good. And I think that's about right in the Eastern conference. We've got some, some risk on the Bruins. We've taken a lot of bets on them, but the, you know, the actual risk is not too high because they're seven to one. Um, haven't t- we've taken a lot of bets on Tampa, but it's actually, we'd be quite happy if they won. We've, we'd profit if they won. So, okay. um, the risk is, uh, on the Leafs and on the Canadians and a little bit on the Bruins. So it's spread out pretty good in the Eastern conference. And as I mentioned, I think that's about right because if you had to pick the one team that's going to come out of the East right now, uh, I think that would be pretty hard to do. Yeah. And again, that's the terror that I, that, 
that I have here as I talk myself into the Canadians more and more and more, right? Like my numbers crank out that the Canadians are the best team in the East. What? I, I'm curious what, I know you've probably already gone over this, but for my benefit, what? what sure, sure. Exactly? Yeah, uh, the, the Coles Notes version is um, for me in the playoffs, like I hold five on five to be the sort of most important metric, right? Mm-hmm. Because the highest percentage of play or a considerably higher percentage of play than in the regular season is played five on five, right? It's yeah. sort of the standard concept of less, you know, less power plays are given up, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Right. And so while power plays and power play percentage and conversion, all of that is important in the regular season, uh, it's just less important in the playoffs. Right. Um, Over the course of sort of a short, you know, if you say an average series is six games, you know, it's just not as important. It's maybe if you have the best power play going up against the worst power play, it only ends up being to about a third of a goal over the course of six games. Right. It doesn't really matter all that. And you can make up for that by being good five on five. And so the Habs this year, Vegas was number one in expected goals for five on five, right? They were way better than actually everybody else. Montreal was second, right, just barely ahead by one goal by Toronto. Now you say, well, why didn't Montreal do better? And the reality is they were actually really bad in high danger scoring. So they get into high danger zones and they just don't put the puck in the net. And that could be as simple as luck, right? Posts not going in, not going in, you know, facing a you know, goaltender that's playing off his ass, et cetera, et cetera. But the point is they're good enough to get themselves in high danger scoring chance situations better than literally everybody else in the East and right there with the Leafs as sort of the kind of poster team for scoring, right? Like the Leafs want to get into a run and gun scoring game and they convert only at about a league average rate, whereas Montreal converts at way, way lower. Well, I'm not here to handicap who's scored. I want to know who's, who has a chance to score. Right. And so you go, okay, well, what does Montreal look like from a defensive standpoint? Like how many of these chances are they giving up? Like what's their expected goals against? Well, they're actually sixth in the league in expected goals against five on five, right? And it's all the sort of teams that you'd expect to be at the top, Minnesota, Boston, Philly, Columbus. And actually the fifth best team is uh, Vegas. So that's why I like Vegas so much because they're number one in goals four and they're number five in goals against, whereas you know, those goals against teams, you know, like I said, Minnesota, Boston, Philly, Columbus are all really pretty bad offensively, right? And so the numbers crank out where it's like Montreal is at the top, essentially, of both of these categories, or at least near the top when it comes from a defensive standpoint, and way more sort of average when it comes to actually keeping the puck out of the net um, with regards to high danger you know, chances against, right? So that would say, you know, price would be, is about average, right? Which is what statistically he has been this season. He's actually Mm -hmm. even a little bit below average, right? So when you say if he can turn it up a notch to get sort of back to his level of where, you know, we expect him to play, that number should dip, right? Like he should be making more saves. And if they can just be, league average or even just kind of 
a little bit below league average from a conversion standpoint, their goal scoring is going to go through the roof. And so, again, all of this could go to hell in a handbasket if Pittsburgh has a strong three games, they get swept, and we never find out, Mm -hmm. right? But in short series, like, you know, what we're dealing with, especially in a five-game series, but certainly in a seven-game series as well, this is a team that it wouldn't take all that much to make up for that, you know, if they have a bad power play versus a really good power play team, right? They'll be able to make up that goal, with just any kind of conversion and the high danger chances relative to giving them up, the best teams are Tampa Bay, right? They're 60%, right? So they 60, 40 is essentially their scoring chance differential, which is pretty good, right? Like they're getting six high danger chances for every four that they give up. That's awesome. Right. Vegas is right behind them at 59%. Well, the third best team when it comes to that is Montreal. And so, again, all you need is Carey Price doing at least kind of Carey Price things and some scoring for Montreal, and they would shoot up the sort of, you know, metaphorical standings. They would shoot up the power rankings in that conference. And, of course, it's going to matter that, like, who they play and all that sort of thing, but at such a, you know, and, again, it's all relative to the number with regards to, like, you know, 100 to 1 and 50 to 1 and this, that, and the other. But, like, these numbers spit out that Montreal was way better than the standings indicated for them this year. Interesting. Well, that's I, – hey, I, you, you've got me convinced to take a look. And uh, I was thinking about putting a little bit of money on Montreal to beat Pittsburgh. So now I'll give it a shot. Well, and let's say, let's say our money – our money on Philly comes comes through, right? And they're the number one seed, and Montreal takes takes out Pittsburgh. You know, Montreal against Philly is no guarantee. Like, we might like Philly to a degree, right? But, like, that's not this sort of terrifying matchup. No. Nope. Right? Like, like, in theory, Pittsburgh is a, more, a scarier matchup for Montreal than Philly is, right? So the path suddenly can kind of get, I mean, it's never easy, but it starts to really sort of shape up. And the thing is, if you look back to last season, you know, sort of what's a team that kind of mirrored Montreal's metrics last season, and that team was Carolina, right? And so we walked into that going, well, Carolina, Washington, you know, like they're going to get knocked out by Washington and blah, 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 blah. Well, all of a sudden, Carolina finds themselves in the Eastern Conference Finals, and everybody kind of looks at each other going, how did we get here, when it was, in theory, right there in front of us the whole whole time. Not, you know, and again, if you replay these things, you know, a certain amount of times, they're going to all go differently. But it, I think it happens more often than 50 to 1, you know, like that kind of thing. Yep. Hey, I'm right there with you. So, and, and don't get me wrong; it's terrifying seeing those numbers sort of pop up because, as somebody who I don't bet hockey during the regular season, I think there's too many different variables, and and you're dealing with shootouts and four on four overtimes to decide whether your team wins or not. Like, I'm way out on all of that, so I let it all play out and let the numbers sort of stack up, right? And I keep my ear to the you know to the ground as far as like trying to figure out you know, what's happening from injuries and like different narrative standpoints, but I don't really care 
right? Like at the end of the season, like give me the numbers and show me what, you know, what they say and we'll go from there. So I certainly wasn't expecting to like Montreal. And that's what I mean by sort of waking up and being like, how did we get here? But <laughs> we're here, man. And like, and, and it's funny because like on, on the same sort of vein or sort of the opposite side of the spectrum, you go, these were all numbers that were put up four, five, seven months ago. So kind of none of them really, like they matter, you know, less than they ever have before in a way too, right? Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> you kind of have to deal with, with both things. Like, yeah, I like Montreal and I'd be more pumped about it if, uh, you know, if, if we were using numbers that were from like last week, like we normally yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Who's to say what happens? But I mean, I think that's a fair enough analysis to to allow you to place some money on the Canadians. Yeah. So that's that's happening. We're out here. Doing All right. It. All right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it, man. Like we uh, we we've cranked out. Hot. Now we just got to play some games, right? Like let's get on the ice. Like I know it's going to be a bummer because it's not going to look like we normally like it to look like uh, or sound like, for that matter, even even more so. But yeah. uh, we get games this weekend. That's crazy. That's awesome. I can't yeah. wait. Let's do it. Uh, I'm excited, and I'm excited even more so for the March Madness style scheduling, which. Uh, for a gambler and live betting, oh boy, it's exciting. Yeah, it's it's going to be great. So, uh, yeah, maybe we'll have you back on if possible once we sort of maybe get, um, you know, eight teams on either side and we can do a, you know, sort of run through of those series if you're interested. Yeah, let's on do the it. Spot. We'll, we'll have a better idea about how the teams actually look at that point as well. Exactly, and we can talk about how stupid it was that I bet on Montreal after they get swept by Pittsburgh. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. All right. Thanks, buddy. Okay. Take care. Okay. Thanks again to Chris. Uh, always awesome to have him on, uh, working him overtime over the last week. Uh, but always interesting to kind of get the point of view of the sports book, which means, of course, you're getting the point of view of other sports bettors, which means you're getting sort of an idea of where they're putting their money. And, you know, some of that's confirming the different narrative stuff that we talked about, right? Because the narrative sort of equals the odds in a way where if everybody believes one thing, you're going to be able to get value on the opposite. So, you know, I love Calgary a lot more because of, you know, what he talked about in the previous pod. Um, and in a way, I like Montreal even more because of you know what he talked about in this uh, podcast. So uh, just normally I sign off by saying, you know, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. I do want to just quickly talk about you know that in sort of a bigger picture way. Uh, you know, please subscribe. Um, you know, why that's important, search engine optimization, right? Um, but also for you, right? Like so you know when podcasts are coming up. We do this on a you know Monday to Friday daily basis. And, you know, a lot of this is, you know, there's some evergreen episodes, there's some episodes that you have a week to listen to, like this one. But there's other ones that are, you know, shorter episodes or whatever that are, you know, for games that night and to talk about the night before. And, you know, um, you know, you don't have to listen to them all by any stretch of the imagination, but 
you know, it helps that if you have the podcast that it pops up on your phone and it can remind you to listen to it before you put some bets in and maybe that'll talk you off a couple of losers here or there or maybe point you to a couple of winners. Obviously, that's kind of the whole point of the podcast. So that's subscribe. So please subscribe. Uh, rating. This doesn't sound like it would be something that's all, all that important. And I'm, to be honest with you, not even sure why it's that important, but it seems to be right? And so the thing is, if you're not going to rate the podcast, you're essentially giving the podcast a zero, right? Because it doesn't show up on, like, there's no zero to rate if you actually did rate it, right? One is the lowest. And that seems harsh. Like, why would you go all that way and then rate the podcast as uh, a one? But it's, you know, not all that different than not rating it at all because you are essentially giving it a zero, right? If the podcast gets zero ratings, that means, you know, to the, um, you know, search engine optimization and the, you know, metrics people out there, that means that nobody's listening. Well, if you're listening, then, you know, please indicate that you are in listening. And again, you know, you can rate it one if you want, but again, that seems a little harsh. Uh, two, I suppose, you know, that's tough, but fair. Um, I would prefer you sort of tell me why that this is only a two out of a five uh, podcast for you. Um, three, you know, if you want to rate it a three, you can. But to me, that's a you problem, right? You can't decide. You either like this and it's a four or a five or you hate it and it's a one or a two. Uh, so, you know, why would you rate anything a three? Four is probably what I would give it. You know, nobody's perfect. We got, you know, ways to go. We can always be better. You know, that's beyond even just the, you know, <laughs> what bets to make and whatnot. We can always just get better from a production. And God knows the host could get a little bit better as well. Uh, so four, I would probably give that myself, right? Five, thank you. You're my friend, your family. I really appreciate it. The old friends and family discount on the rating circumstance. So subscribe and rate. And then, of course, review. So if the above has worked right, and you've been rating and you've been subscribing, then someone might stumble on the podcast, right, by accident, because you're going to be able to find it on, you know, searching for sports betting podcasts, right? And so if you review, you can then tell them what we're doing here, all the fun we're having, or you can be stupid, creative, tell a story. You know, you're walking in the woods and you saw a bear and you're listening to the podcast and you ran away from the bear and then you went home and you bet the, you know, Canadians, I don't know. But Write something, because again, if somebody stumbles on this podcast by accident, which let's be honest, half of the podcasts I'm pretty sure I've found, like I've stumbled across um, by accident, it gives them an idea of what to expect, right? Like this guy's too serious, this guy's too silly, like his guests are awesome, but he's an idiot, he's awesome, but his guests are, like whatever. Um, just, you know, take some time. You can be creative. You can say, this is super neat. I don't really care. Um, but at least just take some time to review it if possible. So, you know, step one, subscribe. Step two, please rate. And, you know, if you have any time, um, review uh, and be gentle with regards to uh, different comments. All right, that's it for this mega preview. Hope you enjoyed it half as much as I did making it. And maybe we get a little lucky. Puck drops on Saturday. Till next time, I'll see you at the window.